0: Welcome to the All About Setwork podcast. In this podcast, we talk about all things setwork, how to conclude training tips, a behind-scenes look of what your instructor or trial official may be going through, and much more. In this episode, we have the distinct privilege of having a roundtable discussion, all about expectations when you are entering a Nosework trial. <laughs> Before we start diving into the podcast episode itself, let me do a very quick introduction on myself. My name is Diana Santos. I'm the owner and lead instructor for Setwork University, DogSport University, and Pet dog U. These are all online dog training platforms they are designed to provide high quality dog training instruction, and we're very fortunate to have a client basis worldwide. For Setwork University in particular, we provide online courses, seminars, webinars, and eBooks that are all designed to help you achieve your Setwork training goals. So whether you're just getting started in Setwork, you're looking to develop some more advanced skills, or if you're getting ready for trial, we have a training solution for you. So that you know a little bit more about me, let's dive into the podcast episode itself. So we're very fortunate that in this podcast episode, we have a roundtable discussion, diving all into dealing with expectations when you're entering a nosework trial. Very exciting stuff. (laughs) This roundtable is actually headed by one of our instructors, Michelle Dorm, and she does an excellent job. This wonderful array of perspectives, (laughs) and they really do provide some excellent information in this podcast. So I'm not going to delay any longer. We're just going to jump right into the conversation so you guys can hear all the things that they have to say, because I think that it's really powerful stuff. So I want to thank you all for coming today. I want to thank sincerely, Michelle, for putting this all together, because it's a wonderful topic that I think all of you will be able to contribute to. We like to do these roundtables. We're hearing all these different opinions and point of views about a variety of different topics. And Michelle had this really fantastic idea about expectations. So that's what this episode is going to be all about. Can we just go around really quickly and just do a really quick introduction, your name, uh, who you are, and just a really quick background? And maybe we'll go in this order. We'll do uh, Michelle really quickly. Then we'll do Monica, Jessica, and Jill. My name is Michelle Dorham. I'm
1: a CNWI, CoN training, 10-year competitor, 12-year student of Nosework.
2: Okay, Monica? Hi, I'm Monica Flores, and I am a Nosework competitor for 10 years now.
0: Perfect.
3: And Jessica? My name is Jessica Kester. I'm also a CNWI. I've also been competing in nosework for ten years, and I'm in the COT program with Michelle. Perfect. And Miss Jill.
4: Um, I'm Jill Marie O'Brien. I've been a dog trainer and behavior counselor, shelter person for thirty-five plus years. I'm co-founder of National Association of Canine Scent Work and Canine Nosework, and
0: that's it. <laughs> <laughs> just As that. If that. It's just that, right? No, yeah, you know, it's just, just those that.
1: small things. All right, Michelle, whenever you're ready. Okay. I'd like to talk today about expectations for handlers when it comes to trialing. What we expect of ourselves, of our dogs, of our trial experience. So I wanted to gather a panel of people of vast and varied experience so they could share some of their own. Jessica, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What were your expectations with your first dog when you began
3: trialing? Jeez. Okay. So 10 years ago, I think it's really actually a good question because thinking back on it now, I don't actually remember what my expectations were because I think I was so caught up in the moment that um, the first dog I trial with, who I still trial with, was dog reactive and environmentally sensitive.
1: Mm. So I think
3: those two things played a big role for me because my goal in joining Nosework originally was just to kind of help him get over his fear of new environments and novel stimuli um, and to teach him a little bit of focus, at least back to to me and on his uh, environment in a way that was safe for him. Um, So when we actually got to competition, Once I was able to get my uh, trial nerves uh, under control, and for me, that trial nerves, that very first trial was, please don't let my dog bark at another dog. (laughs) Because I was, I don't know, I was so terrified. It's like, oh my God, they're going to see him. He's going to bark and that's going to be the end of our career. And I really want him to do this. We had tried agility at that point and he was such a nut. He couldn't stand watching other dogs play in the agility field. And then he would get out there and he was a course designer. So it was not a good fit. But once we actually got in and he decided that other dogs weren't as a high priority as it was getting into new areas to use his nose and and work, he settled down and we started having a whole lot of fun. So my goal was never getting a ribbon. It was just to see if we could even compete and do anything and see how well we fared as a team.
1: Very interesting. So your personal goal wasn't about achieving a title. It was about the steps that you had worked toward for him to get through the day under threshold?
3: Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, for us, we trained here locally in San Diego and uh, I was uh, mentoring under Jamie Bosey at the time. So she was really good at getting access to new locations for us to try. So I was able to introduce him there, but then I would travel up to Penny in Pasadena, did that for a little bit. And our ORT was our first ORT, was actually up at an LA and I think, I think it was the Bushes. I think that was who was judging for us uh, there in LA at the shelter at the time. And then our second ORT was, was at Penny. So his first ORT, he was so close. He, he nailed, let's see, he nailed Annis, I want to say, but then missed Clove because he, for whatever reason, just kind of like this, he was six months old and did his own thing. But at Bert, she realized Chris was behind the camera and Chris stood up and was like, I've never seen a man that tall. And he kind of like <laughs> freaked out at that and was like, I'm just going to go sit down behind mom. And so I was like, okay, we might need some more time. So he took another six months before we uh, did our next Good ORT. For you. So yeah, I mean, Good for, for us, it was just to try and get him over his fears.
1: Thank you. That's very interesting perspective that I think not a lot of people take into consideration that sometimes it's really just about the dog's developing the dog's coping skills. Right, right. Monica, tell us what your expectations were with your first dog when you began trialing.
2: First, I decided that I wanted to do a fun, a, some type of fun sport with this dog because I had also had a um, reactive dog before. I had a Springer Spaniel that was um, in the Cuckoo Range rage range, right? So I got this Labrador and I'm like, we're gonna do everything. We're gonna do everything we couldn't do before. We're gonna, we're gonna do all kinds of sports, we're gonna go, we're gonna be in public places, we're gonna do everything. You know, I'd taken him to obedience class and my instructor said, why don't you, why don't you see about taking a nose work class? And I'm like, okay, what's that? I just ran onto NACSW website and I'm like, well let's just find a trainer that's nearby. Pasadena's right down right down the road so I went to Penny's class signed up and I told her we know everything about searching and stuff we've been doing some tracking with treats and stuff so you can just let me skip the first couple um, classes I don't need that <laughs> so anyway um, that didn't work so we went to all the classes and um,
1: and there you are in an intro class yes yeah.
2: And then she's like, you need to, you have to become like a member of this organization and you need to, um, you're going to sign up and you're going to take a test. And I'm like, oh no, we're just here to have fun. We're just here to have fun. This is my Labrador and he's just going to search and we're just going to have fun. She's like, yeah, I know, but this is part of it is you sign up and you, you take this test for this, uh, ORT test, and then you go to competitions I'm like, oh, no, 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 this is, that's not what I'm doing. So anyway, I did sign up, I took the ORT test and I can remember how scared I was and stressful, like there's a judge and they're watching you. And anyway, I kept doing it because every time you did something, it was like, wow, that was pretty fun. And it just kept raising the bar of where are we going with this? And then I would tell myself, we're just here to have fun. We're not serious about that. We're not going to be crazy like these people who get these car covers and fans and (laughs) crates and all that. I'm like, I'm not doing that. No, this is for fun. So I bought my uh, dog a collar that has like little cupcakes on it. So if you ever hear his nickname um, Rudy cupcake, is that's what it was to, to not show that I was serious about this. This was just for fun for me and my dog to get out, to go do these activities, to enjoy a fun sport. Nothing about competition. We weren't going to do anything like that to be you know competitive. It was just for fun.
1: When you did start yes. trialing, like NW1, right? Like it's a real trial now. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your right.
2: expectations mm-hmm. um, as far as outcomes? I didn't have any expectations really. All I did was I'm like, cause I didn't know anything really about odor, only what you had learned in your basic classes. And they would say, watch your dog. And I'm like, my eyes are watching him, but you you, you have, to, it takes a lot of time to learn what do these behaviors mean, right? Yeah. I'm watching him. And I kept thinking, I'm watching him. He's in this room and he's doing some stuff. And, and then he just points <laughs> to this object and tells me it's here, right? So if I just hang on to the leech, I surely can't screw up, okay? When you so, have a reactive he, dog
1: he, and someone says, watch your dog, you're like, oh no, what are they? <laughs> what are they gonna react to now? It's funny how, the, how so, even just those phrases mean different things to different teams. Thank you. Um, yes. Jill Marie, how about for you? What was, what were your expectations when you first, uh, when you trialed with your first dog?
4: Well, are you talking about nose work Then I, I expect?
1: Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. Uh, that's funny because, you know, as a, as the person that was at the beginning of this whole thing before there was a sport and I was, you know, uh, running, you know, a narcotics dog, and doing certifications there, the interesting piece is that they're very similar in the fact of the testing piece, right? It's my, my, mindset is kind of the same. So I think the expectations, regardless of whatever dog that I go in, it's an evaluation of my mind, in my mind of where I am in my training and things that I'm supposed to be working on because I I look at trialing as an example of what I need to be working on for training.
1: I love that.
4: Not that training, I don't, it's not about training so I can trial. Trialing should be an evaluation of where my training is because sort of in my perspective, it's the training and it's the day-to-day with the dog that is the fun part and the the growth and the relationship building on a daily basis should be the focus. And it's not that, I I mean, I like competing, I like pretty ribbons, whether it's in nose work or other things. I mean, you know, I got ribbon behind me, it's fun. They make nice decorations when you can't think of other things to do with your space, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, it, they're fun and, and, you know, they're important and it tells you where you're at. And it's a um, marker
1: of your product. And, and
4: they have value, they have value for people mm-hmm. and it gives people a sense of accomplishment and it, you know, and, the same, and it's for all of us that way. But to me, trialing is more about where training is. And so uh, on the last trial that I, I did, you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I think back to my first like nosework trial, feeling really odd as sort of the founder running my dog. And in my mind, I think I just want to go have fun with my dog. I don't want to be this person that's like, oh you know, Jen the founder, her dogs are going to be perfect. Her handling's perfect. Nothing's ever going to go wrong. She'll always do this. It'll always be this. It'll, you know, I just, I actually used to be an agility person that just liked to go and hang out in the park and run my dog. And I kind of miss that. And so part of the nose work piece that I, I like is like the hanging out and just sitting in my chair with my dogs and going and doing searches, chatting with friends. And, you know, it's, it's a social piece, Mm -hmm. not as an official, but as a participant and enjoying this thing that was sort of developed. That's kind of my expectations from the first trial that i kind of did just to see what it's like for the people that have you know invested their time and money to kind of jump onto this crazy train that we developed (laughs) right and and i because i want people to have good experiences and feel what it is from their perspective also on an instructor standpoint since that's really my area of focus is how Do we nurture and um, support people that are teaching other people so that they're developing and helping their students achieve their goals and to know what it's like from that perspective. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it's a kind of a very complicated mixed up thing more than just a person that might be going to compete. So it's a little bit more, it's probably a little bit more complex.
1: It is, but that's what makes your perspective so interesting. And I love that you feel that your trial experiences are markers of your training and your indications for your training goals. I think that's great.
4: Which is good and bad, by the way.
1: Well, I think that it's a a refreshing perspective. And I mean, obviously as a founder, it gives significant weight coming from you, but I always appreciate it when people view the trial experience as not being an indicator of their worth, you know, (laughs) but really uh, just a test to see where you are on the skills that you've been developing for that particular level. Monica, when you began trialing a new dog, What expectations did you then have, which may have been based on trial experience with your first
2: dog? Having many years of success with my first dog, who was so forgiving of all of my stupid handling moves, I automatically put expectations on this new dog, which is also a Labrador. Like it's going to be a piece of cake. For God's sake, you succeeded with this dog. All you got to do is do the same thing with this new dog. And we're going to be, we're going to have the most fun. And, you know, we train. he started, my new dog started training at a younger age. So I thought we're going to learn all the new things. We're going to just new, we're going to learn all this new ways of training, the the nose work. And he's, it's going to be the most phenomenal you know, a journey we've ever had.
1: You figured I've learned so much from my first dog. It's just going to be lickety split.
2: It's going to be the most wonderful. Well, that is not at all how um, it panned out. So we went to our first couple trials and we were having, you know, it's a time to, like, like Jill said, you You've trained, and now you're going to take like this test, and it's going to be fun because it tells you where you're at. And we, you know, we had some interesting things happen in these trials that I didn't even know what to do with. My younger dog decided to pick up some toys in a in a classroom and toss them around and um, goof off during a search, and I'm like, "What is wrong with you?" this is serious stuff. We're here. We're here. We're, we've got a time clock going. We timed out and didn't find anything because like, he was playing around. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is. Um, we, we need some help. We need some help. There's something really wrong here. I felt frustration because I felt like I was actually thinking that this not, dog didn't even really like nose work, that maybe he wanted to do something else. Maybe he wants to be a therapy dog. Maybe he wants to just hang out at home. Maybe he doesn't even like searching. I think he doesn't like searching because he does great. Seems like in practice, but when we go to something like this, he's just, he checks out. He checks out. Like he's like, yeah, see ya. So I said, I, I, I need some help. I'm really feeling like I either have to find this dog going to go live with my daughter or I'm going to get another dog or something. He's, he, he's not for me we're not a team. We're not, um, we're not understanding. You you weren't in sync. We weren't in sync because, you know, you train them all this puppy stuff and then, you know, it's, you need to find the hides. Okay. They go find a hide, but sometimes he just checked out. So I sought out input from a highly respected trainer um, instructor would be Amy, Amy Haro. And I said, "I, I need some help. I need to see, uh, I need you to watch us search and I need to know, like, does this dog have it or not? Right. And is it me? What, what's, what's going on here? So she said, okay, I'll set up a couple hides here and let's, let's just see what's going on. And so I'm like, okay, Ben, come on, let's search, you know, kind of a little bit of a stern voice. Cause I'm, I know everything. Right. And she <laughs> goes, um, She's, you know she watches and then he he gets there and you know it's like, okay, it's, it's right here." And she goes, "Wow, um, I want you to when he gets to the hide to just just I want his tail to wag. I want you to get his tail to wag, whatever it is and and she goes whatever it takes whatever it takes your tone of voice you're a little i noticed that you're a little more abrupt with him than you are with your rudy cupcake so maybe you know use a sweeter tone of voice and get his tail to wag so you know we did a couple more searches and I, when he found the hide, I was like giving him all, his tail was wagging. He was like, woo, woo, this is awesome. And I can tell you, his eyes were sparkling. He looked at me and he acted like I was the best thing on this earth. The best. And it was a magical moment that was life-changing. Just that. And it, it, it changed, it changed everything from that moment on was just really engaging with the dog and playing the game. I wanted to play, but I was playing it the way I played with my other dog. Right. And it did, it didn't work. It didn't and work. And when it
1: wasn't going how you thought it should go, you got stricter and stricter.
2: Yes. I started and- wrangling him like, mm. I started wrangling this. You're not going to pick up toys.
1: You're not going to, you're going to do this. You're going to do that.
2: You need to get to the corners. You need to get over here. Why aren't you searching over here? And Mm -hmm. he was just going, yeah, I don't like this game with you.
1: He was sitting back with his arms crossed. And then when you had a shift in what the reward was for him, meaning you being happy with him and you being proud and engaging with him instead of telling him where to go, yes. um, that shifted everything. And what I think is really, really significant about this experience for you is that you had such a long road to, this is a completely different Labrador. And yes. that's really difficult for people. They get the same breed, they get well-bred chosen dogs, or they get a new dog that you know, came from a rescue group or their daughter's dog, or you know, people get dogs in all different kinds of ways, but if they've done nose work before, sometimes their expectations can be really, really affected by their experience with the first dog. Thank you so much for that. I think that experience is pretty profound that you learned him in such a different way.
2: Yes, I, I'm still learning, and there's more that we have done over the t- over the last year that's um, changed everything about our journey. And I'm thankful, I'm so thankful for those moments that we we had that you know, he did these things. He was telling me we're gonna play a game but we're going to play it my way. He was giving me all kinds of indications. And Mm. because of my frustrations, I seeked out help. And, um, and it was all a game changer. That's great. Completely.
1: Jill Marie. I remember many years ago, not even sure if you remember this during a morning trial briefing, you said, quote, your disappointment is not your dog's problem to the group. Could you please elaborate on what may have prompted this statement? Perhaps handler behavior
4: you may have observed? I think what I I often see happen is that many times in trial situations or uh, whether it's even in the middle of a search, uh, you know, we hear maybe, you know, a handler hears the word no or uh, at, even at the end of the day, they realize they didn't earn something that they feel maybe they deserved or are disappointed by a lack of you know, a title or whatever the case. M- more times than not, it's usually in the middle of a trial day where they realize that they're not gonna earn their title or they've heard that no, and they feel disappointed, right? And Now they're carrying this disappointment, but what often happens is they make their disappointment, their dog's problem. And you know, it's not your dog's problem (laughs) that if you're disappointed, because you misread a dog's communication, um, if your training wasn't, um, clear enough. It leading up to the trial so the dog under, had a good enough understanding of what your expectations are going to be in any given situation, that the dog knew what, it, what its task was going to, you know, what its job was going to be as far as in the search environment. So there's a lot of things that contribute to why you might hear no or you might have, you know, a bad day. And as handlers, and I think even Monica in her sort of describing her rocky start and relationship with her second dog, she was making her disappointment in some way Ben's responsibility because he wasn't Rudy. So even in day-to-day life, how we feel about any given dog whether they don't live up to our expectations. You know, when expectations are not met, that breeds disappointment. Disappointment can even uh, feed resentment. Resentment then feeds, you know, how we treat or dismiss or can be, become even more negative and that becomes the dog's problem. And none of us are immune to these things, you know, when none of us are, we're all human. But I think we have to at least try in those moments when we feel that happening to to catch ourselves. Even when you hear when the judge goes no, and you go, what? you know, like you make that, you know, ha, ha, ha. you know, the dog has no idea
0: that mm-hmm. that's not
4: actually directed at them. You know, the dog doesn't a understand good that when they've just performed a behavior. And your response to that behavior is something that maybe in other contexts in their world is negative, not a pleasant response is now being associated with something. And maybe, you know, uh, that's not necessarily something you want because it could create some other peripheral issues. You know, you Mm -hmm. have, there are all these things that, that are going on and, and when I say you can't let your disappointment become your dog's problem, it's it's meaning like don't let that create additional issues that blossom into full blown problems that then you have the whole point should always be is to not fit. And I'm the queen of having to clean up, I, you know, messes with because I skipped the you know, like I'm like everybody, you know, like. My time is limited. Uh, I'll just go fast. I'll, I, this is not important. I, you know, I'll just do this once and oh, he got it, we'll move on. And then six years later, I'll, I'll be back. Like, remember six years ago when I was doing the thing and I skipped the thing or I only did the thing once and now I can see why I shouldn't have skipped the thing? You know, that's, that's not the dog's problem. That, that's my problem. So my disappointment is not the dog's issue. It's my, that's my issue. So- um, And it becomes a a cycle. It it becomes a cycle. And then what we often do is we start overtraining.
1: Mm -hmm. And overcompensating.
4: And we overcompensate and we browbeat our dog into training submission. And I don't mean that in submissiveness, but I mean, it's like we just, we start overtraining to the point of where dogs are not having fun anymore and I think this is why we see dogs at NW1 or ORT level are coming up that are rockstar search dogs. they are having a great time and you're like oh my god the dog's having so much fun looking at that dogs a search machine. Da, 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 da. They hit NW3, the handlers have gotten the bug and they start taking a lot of input from all these different places that are from different methodologies and things without a lot of context and life experience in detection and search work to know where and when to plug these things in. And then they start hitting roadblocks because they don't know when things are best applied. And Mm -hmm. then they hit roadblocks, right? And then they start overtraining. And now the dog's like, you know, that was a really fun game like a year ago or two years (laughs) ago. And I'm not liking it anymore. And they come in and they're like, they'll do it. But yeah. they can take it or leave it, and and the way I describe it is the difference between the first day on the job, your your dream job, and after being there for twenty years, and you're you're like the last two weeks after giving notice, you're retiring, and you the type of performance you're going to give that first day on your dream job versus your last two weeks are going to be yeah. completely different. And I want my dog ideally to be as close to what it is on that first day, not the last two weeks. They should get enough appreciation
1: and bonuses and vacation time along the way to keep them happy. (laughs) Yeah,
4: and you know, and you have to. And going back to expectations, and and I'll wrap this piece up uh, in a moment. Is you know, we all also have to be realistic when we don't have a lot of time to train or our dogs are going through other things, they're aging or they have injuries or, you know, and again, be realistic. If you're not able to train every day or, you know, be that diligent or whatever the case may be, you have to manage your expectations going into a trial and not have that disappointment eat at your, your own soul about what happens. Because that is not healthy for yourself as a handler. Because, you know, if you're not training every day or other things are going on, especially if you have a younger dog, it's if you have an older dog that's got a lot of life experience, you, you, have, you can get away with a little bit more, I think, with some dogs. But, you know, you have to, to be um, cognizant of the realities of what you can do. And somebody that has an older dog who has experience that I I ride on his coattails because he's got more experience. Like he carried me to this last NW3 title, not because my handling was great. It was like we squeezed by, but it's his age and experience, but we're not training enough for me to have an expectation of taking first place. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to be realistic about where they're at in their training um, and where their dogs are at physically and age-wise. Um, also, and and manage that going into trial, and if you can't manage it, then don't. And you get really disappointed. Don't enter.
3: That's
4: a great point, Jill. Yeah. Can I comment on that too? Yeah.
3: Um. So with with my guy Yuri, I mean, he's old now, like ten years old. He's starting to look gray around the eyes and everything. But I have two young kids and one with special needs, so I hardly ever get a chance to train my dogs at all, and. Like, I've had to explain that to a couple of my different clients, because most of my clients are all dog reactive dogs. And I've got one or two who want to compete and actually can because their dogs are appropriate for it. But I've kind of told them like, hey, you know, we you can enter a trial whenever, you know, you think you're ready. And I'll be honest with you and tell you, yes, I think you're ready or no, you're not. And I will be very honest with them and say, you know, I would love to get an NW3 on on my boy, Yuri. And only one. And honestly, I don't know if we're going to get it before he passes or not, but that's my goal. And my goal is like a leg, a trial, just because we don't have the time to train, nor do I have the time to enter trials at this point in our life with everything going on. So honestly, it's one of those things that I think is is sometimes a hard pill to swallow for some people, like having to learn how to manage those expectations and not go and being like, yeah, I'm going to nail it on my first trial here, there, and everywhere. And, um, I know that we'll we may or may not touch on it later, but I've always tried to train Yuri up to the trial level that he's attaining. And uh, we were lucky for our NW1, NW2. We got it on our first try, but now we've done five or seven NW3s, and I'm hoping to get uh, enough legs to put together an NW3. Yeah. But hey, like that—that <laughs> that was uh, one of those things where I have to learn how to manage expectation points. And, um, after I had child number two, like that really came into focus and kind of hit home for me, but I think it was an important lesson for me to learn, um, both as a handler and as an instructor, for sure.
1: I think it's, and it's so subjective, right? Like
3: it's different for everyone's
1: experience, but how people deal with the expectations and sometimes the lessons that they have to go through, um, can be pretty major, but, um, I love being able to share it with other people because as an instructor, I see quite a range. As a volunteer, I see quite a range you know, of what people imagine is going to happen on a, on a given trial day. But Jessica, something you said actually leads into the next question that I have, and that was about readiness. As a competitor, do you prefer to wait to trial until your teamwork and skills with your dog are fully ready, like capital letters ready, or give it a shot and see where you are
3: in your training. For me personally, I like to make sure that I'm ready. And that probably stems the fact that Muriel is a red bandana dog. So I want to go into trial with a clear idea or a clear picture of what I think is going to happen and kind of be able to manage some of those expectations that we've been talking about a little bit yeah, with him. That makes sense. However, I now have a puppy that I'm working with and she's polar opposite of him. So everything that I've had to do with Uriel is like not a problem for her. And it kind of mm-hmm. blows me away because I've done a couple of nose work lessons with her. And I'm like, oh wow, you mean like that dog who got out of his car and dumped all over that place didn't distract her. She kept working through that. Like that would have been the end of the word for Uriel at that point. Um, so now now you get to learn dog number two (laughs) yeah now I'm learning dog number two who doesn't have some of the same problems that Yuri does and it's it's a really different picture so for her if I was going to trial her I might be more willing to be like you know we've trained for a little bit let's see where
1: we're at um there's there's a local event I can go my kids are taken care of yeah exactly sort of yeah I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on that it's um it's just interesting to me to hear different people's different perspectives on that um Jill what is um your personal approach um ready in all caps or see you are see where you are in your training
4: oh so going back you know I think it depends if everybody hates that phrase at this point um but
1: (laughs) no I I don't hate
4: it Ideally, you should go into anything you're doing, feeling relatively confident that you are going to, you can manage the situation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you should, you're going to go in there and, and there's always some people that are like, I never enter anything unless I think I'm going to win first place. Yeah, I, that's, that's I,
1: kind of the, the extreme I was referring to. Right. All caps. And you know what?
4: awesome. Great. If that's how you you operate, that's great. You know, I think it's great when you're the only competitor. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's great when it's, uh, when you're not, (laughs) you know, because here, here's the reality. If you if it's a one man, one woman, um, events where you're not, uh, working with another individual, um, I, I think you are not necessarily putting all of the weight of what you, again, your expectations are, don't, are not just their responsibility. And yes, you can train your dog to be top-notch and always win and blah, 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 blah. But I, I don't know. It's maybe it's an age thing, you know, cause I used to think differently, uh, you know, maybe 15 or 20 years ago, but, um, I, I have an issue with do- animals as sports equipment first of all, mm-hmm. um, and if you get your rocks off by getting a first place and you go through dogs like you do Nike, um, you know, uh, runners, um, I, I, I kind of, I'm at the age of my life where I have a, uh, an ethical problem kind of with that. Um, and now I get like, if you got, you get a dog and you want to do agility and you really feel that your lifestyle traveling around, the dog would be miserable because it hates riding in cars, maybe rehoming that dog would be ideal. But if it's uh, all the, you go through like 10 dogs in two years because each one can't meet your like wanting to win first place expectations, but that's a whole nother um, broadcast. (laughs) But but speaking to your question, um, you know, I think if you can at least handle the situation and feel like you're ready for just the dynamics of the trial environment, and mm-hmm. the competitive environment and that whatever happens good or bad that you can manage that I think it's okay I think if you're so not ready that you're taking a valuable spot that are limited when you have long wait lists not that everybody's has a right to enter and take the spot but you should think about whether there is somebody that really is ready that could use that spot you mm-hmm. know like I, you know it's it's, I'm a little conflicted there personally, honestly, but, um, but I, I think, you know, sometimes it, you have to, sometimes you just have to do it. And I think there are right. people that will never enter because like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready. I don't know. You know, my dog's never done a hide two feet off the ground in a corner. And until we really now nail- get that perfectly under our belt, I don't know, you know, like there's, you're never going to be able to, to do everything. So you do have to sometimes just put yourself out there and see where you are at. And oftentimes you'll, you surprise yourself because those are the trials you do the best at.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, point. nothing's risk-free. <laughs> Nothing is ever risk-free in life. And I think that's what Jill's kind of saying. Like you have to sometimes be willing to take that that risk or exactly. go in hopefully a low level of risk.
4: You want to be trained well enough to mitigate the risk, but you're never going to be 100% safe right so yeah right i mean my, our best trial was our
3: nw2 and we we magically somehow took first place overall hyatt trial and it shocked me and it's forever like my my favorite day and my goal was just to hey pass uh interiors that day because that had been our big hold up at that point so whatever hey, i
4: i want i went to this last nw3 just hoping that if we could get 50 percent without having trained in months and months and months with a dog with a sciatic nerve and compressed disc in a spine that he's trying to work with, you know, he still wants to search. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we can do. Well, if we get 50%, you know, he'll have a good day out. And he got a hundred points and an NW3 I mean, title. So, you know, what, what are you boy. Gonna do? You know, <laughs> he's a good boy. That's Asian. Oh, that's try. right. <laughs>
1: Monica, do you feel like um, you are a person who waits until you're ready in all caps? bold or do you um enter and see where you are in your training
2: well it depends (laughs) so um normally normally for all for everything i like to be prepared i really do it's just that's just how i am so if I can ask myself some questions, well, have you trained at, have you trained at this level? Are let's, you as, let's,
1: as, let's assume that you have trained at the level. Um, at would, level. would you then break it down to not until we can crush it in place no. or, no. well, we've trained at the level. Let's see if it shows us where we need to train more.
2: I would, I would enter the trial and I, I, once I'll just tell you, once I removed expectations from, from my, from my equation of this nose work journey, things changed for me mm-hmm. and my, our relationship. So that's not even anything in my equations. My, when we go to a competition, it's, um, it's to go have fun. It's to use the skills that we've learned. Because you are
1: you are practicing for the next level all the time anyway, so you don't ever feel drastically unprepared anyway.
2: No, no. And I, I my, when I go to a trial, I have, um, I have, a, you know, my little notes, and as long I don't, I don't care, I don't care how I do at that trial. It all they're going to do is going to tell me this is what you need to work on, mm-hmm. and. And it, it's great because who wants, you don't want it to be over, right? So if you go to a trial and something new happens and you didn't know how to handle it, hey, guess what? Next week, I'm going to work on this. It gives me something to work on. It's not a yeah. failure. I, I, once I removed expectations from, from any of my training, it's opened up a whole new world
4: and, and i do that.
2: not ever want to put that pressure on my dog i do not ever want to take away the fun that is the most important thing is the re- is our relationship it's the most important thing have and, you and, found
1: yourself feeling a burden of expectations of other people along the well, way as well
2: yeah you, know, you know it's just you form all types of um you know over the years you have all kinds of friends and they know my other dog right and it's just you go to competitions and they're like oh yeah yeah you're gonna and and it, it puts a lot of pressure on yourself and i don't want to have that pressure i don't want anything to do with what i did with a previous dog i want to go to a competition to have fun with this dog i want to be in my own world I want to focus on the things that we're working on and they're going to be different than what other people are working on. Right. Mm-hmm. I want it to be our time, our journey, our enjoyment. That's it.
1: I love that. Um, Jessica, how have you handled disappointment from a trial experience?
3: Good question. We've had some recently for sure. And I, I, I will say that I will allow myself to feel disappointment, but I never, um, like what we talked about early, I never want to make it my dog's problem. Yuri loves doing this so much. I mean, if I tell him in, uh, in the house, we call it, hey, want to go play nose nose? And he like shoots up out of bed and he's like, yes, let's go play. For him, regardless of how we do, it's a great day because he got to play and he and I don't get to play together like that frequently at all. So, the second he comes out of his crate, he puts both his paws up on my shoulders and he puts his head underneath my chin and he just like does like a hard press with the top of his head into my chest and Aww. then he looks up at me, licks my face. So, I know he really really enjoys this time. So, when we we don't pass and we get that no, that dreaded no, I'm like, well, you know, I'm still going to get that hug before he goes back in his crate and I'm going to get that other hug I know when Aww. when he gets out again. So, and I'll never forget, I had the best no actually way back at that trial in Vegas. And I think Michelle, you were there too. Oh yeah. When you arrived late at (laughs) our first element was containers and we have always rock containers, but for whatever reason, he alerted on the container next to the hot one. And the judge said, no. And I looked at her and I said, I said, what? And she looked at me and she looked up and she goes, no, it's the right name. And I've seen you guys before. She's like, yeah, no, it's a no. I'm shocked too. And then she and I just laughed walking out the door to our next element where he nailed vehicles. But she and I were just super surprised and I couldn't be upset. I was just kind of in shock, uh, but he had a great time. And I think there's video of us walking away and he's jumping up and down at my side at whatever, six, seven years old while having a blast. And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't stay disappointed with that sort of behavior. Oh, that's really beautiful so, I love that
1: especially since um, that was a tough day otherwise yes
3: <laughs> oh yeah it was it was yeah it was a tough day a tough trial but I mean we've we've had other disappointments you know where it's like hey you know we we really didn't perform well and when I get to the end of the day and we're back in the hotel room or back in the house and I get a chance to kind of reflect I'm like it's not that we didn't have a good day it's that I didn't read him properly. So it really isn't my dog's problem. It's really my fault. Did I Mm -hmm. read too much into it or did I just blurt alert or what happened? It was my fault at the end of the day. Miscommunication. Yeah, it happens. It happens. I mean, our our first time out, I thought we're going to get it. And uh, we, we missed the NW3 title by one hide and uh same judge that gave me my no and that's that uh lovely vegas trial and she again it's funny our relationship is she laughs at us when we compete because he does silly things in this one he jumped on top of a couch because there was a cat that had been laying there and he just could not get away from that cat smell like glanced at odor and i couldn't get him over there before our time clock ran oh, out so shoot you know, she's like, I just remember you picking up by the harness and pulling them off the count.
1: <laughs> so I do like, what yeah, you got to okay. do
3: sometimes. Exactly. So I try to handle my disappointment with um, what funny or unexpected things happened um, that I took away as more of a positive things like getting that. pronounced at a trial or something. So I try to kind of turn it around in different ways because I think that's, for me, the only way that I can get through it without um, Focusing because I'll have that tendency to kind of just kind of zoom in and hyper focus mm-hmm. on everything and be like, oh, I can't do that. And then it really has spiral down for me.
1: Yeah. I can relate to that. Thank you so much, everyone. I loved hearing your stories and input and philosophies. I I found it really interesting to talk with all of you. Thank you so much for participating with me.
0: This was an amazing collection of people I want to thank you all for joining us. I just want to say (laughs) that for each of you, I just hope that you understand that with this podcast, the gifts that you are giving to the people who are going to be listening, all of you have shared very fantastic stories and perspectives that people are going to be able to listen to and say I'm not alone. And I can try to come up with better expectations for myself, whether I'm an instructor, whether I'm a competitor, or I'm just a dog owner, or I'm a trial official, that's a big gift. So I hope that you all really pat yourselves on the back for that, because that's a really big deal. So thank you. So as you can see this was a really great conversation and i am so thankful for jessica monica and jill for joining us for this round table and i'm also very thankful for michelle for doing such a great job in organizing all of this and asking some really great questions where they were able to share all of their experiences what they've learned how they may have adjusted their expectations over time throughout their journey in nose work and how they're able to focus on the things that are important which is having a good time with our dogs (laughs) but I hope what everyone can really appreciate is that all of us go through this, right? That there is this battle of trying to make sure that the expectations that we're setting for ourselves, for our dogs, are in the best interest of both, and that we are not inadvertently getting stuck in all the common pitfalls and things. What is wonderful about this is that Michelle is actually putting together a webinar that's talking just about this very thing, (laughs) which is fantastic. So on April 20th, At 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, Michelle is going to be offering for us a live webinar through Setwork University that is titled The Great Expectations Creating Your Setwork Trial Experience. And again, this is just supposed to help whether you're just getting started in trialing, you've been trialing forever, (laughs) how you may be able to properly set these expectations so that you're going into these experiences with the right frame of mind, so that you can have a good time with your dog, so you are creating good memories. So you're not, you know, shooting yourself in the foot because you're creating these expectations that are just unrealistic or they're battling against what would be in the best interest of you and your dog. And I'm really looking forward to this webinar because I think that everyone needs it. (laughs) So we will make sure there's information about that webinar and how you may be able to register for it on our website, as well as the replay page for the podcast itself. As always, this podcast episode is going to be posted on our Setwork University Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments, you're always more than welcome to post those there. But thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It was excellent, and I was very excited to be a part of it. Thanks so much. Happy training. I look forward to seeing you soon.